Morning Harvest. Good morning. It's good to be in church together this morning. Uh, nice job. Well done. I was thinking about our week and how the flow of a week goes so often, and I don't know if you're like me, but man, I feel like there are just constant messages coming at you through the week. Do you ever feel like that? I, I hear it from my friends, I hear it from my family, I hear it from the TV, the radio, my phone, and uh, man, some of those messages are confusing, some of those are hard, some are discouraging, and then we come to church, and this is the time every week when uh, Psalm 121 says, we lift our eyes up to the hills. From where does our help come from? Our help comes from the Lord. And so I wanna just encourage you, great choice to come to church. We need this to get our eyes on the Lord and to do it together week after week, right? Amen, praise the Lord. With that, we have the privilege of looking into God's word. I have the privilege of leading us through that, and I need the Lord's help. And so would you pray with me? Let's ask him to lead our time together. Heavenly Father, thank you. I feel like the sermon's already been preached in this service, but we still have your word, and we're gonna dig in. Lord, would you have your way? Would you lead us through it? Would you give us eyes to perceive and hearts to respond to what you have for us today? We love you. We need you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Well, we're going through the book of Acts, and uh, I love how Pastor Jeff starts his messages. Have you caught it? You're gonna need a Bible. And so that's what we need. We need to hear from God's word. So get your own Bible or get one from the row in front of you or get it on your app, whatever the case is. We need to hear from the Lord. And so uh, we are continuing in our study of Acts. That's in the New Testament, in the book of Acts. Today, we are in chapter three. And as we do this, we're picking up again on this theme that we've been talking about. It's right there. We are all witnesses. We are all witnesses Let's take a second and unpack that. What, what is a witness? What does a witness do? Sometimes um, you might say, well, I was a witness to a crime. Or I was a witness to a car accident. Wow, thanks for encouraging us this morning, Dave. That's really great. Or, or maybe something better. I was a witness to uh, a dolphin swimming in the ocean. Or I was a witness to a man and a woman coming together in marriage and committing their life to each other before the Lord. Or I was a witness to a baby taking its very first steps. Or I was a witness to the Chicago Cubs when they won the World Series. And uh, whoa, good morning, we're all awake now, great. And I, I remember where I was and I remember I saw it and I remember talking to lots of people about it and can you even believe it? And did that even happen? I guess it did. Maybe you're a witness to like watching the Chicago Bears play football. <laughs> or maybe, okay, here's what a witness does. Here's what a witness does. A witness does two things. They have seen so that they will tell. Okay, that's it. A witness is that. A witness is someone I have seen so I will tell. I want to give you one more really practical illustration today. I have with me uh, a donut. This is a, this isn't just a donut, I undersold it. This is a chocolate Bavarian donut from Spunky Dunkers. Now, if you've not had the pleasure, Spunky Dunkers is one mile west on Northwest Highway, open 24 hours a day. This is amazing. I have tasted 
I have smelled. I was in line with about 14 people this morning to buy this. And a witness is someone who's experienced firsthand, but a witness is someone who's like, have you ever had one of these? Because if you haven't, I would strongly encourage it. And uh, I see my friend Dominic over here. Dominic, you want a donut? You're like, eh, all right, come on, man, come have a donut. Everybody say, good morning, Dominic. All right, there you go. Or share it with somebody. You do what you want. A witness is someone who has seen so that they can tell. When you eat a good donut, you tell others so they can have one too. When you witness a miraculous healing, you tell everyone so that they can come to the healer. And that's where we're going today. That's how it is for us. These last two weekends, we were in the, uh, Acts chapter two, and we had all these incredible, actually 10 different marks of a healthy church. Do you remember that? And uh, I gotta say, like when I was reading through and thinking through that, I'm like, that's, that's incredible, those principles and practice. But in Acts chapter three, what happens now is the story zooms in. We get very specific to one encounter on one day with Peter and John. We're gonna slow down, zoom in, and look at a day in the life of the early church, all right? Now, to do that, we're gonna need God's word, like I said, and so let's read through it together, uh, starting in Acts chapter three. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. By the way, that's about 3 p.m. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him up by the hand, by the right hand, and he raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk. And he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. That's incredible. A day in the life of the early church. We have a man lame from birth. When you study and understand, he was possibly 40 years old. All of that time without the ability to walk. And he was known in this community. How do I know that? Because he was at the temple. What did the Jews do? They went to the temple very faithfully for worship. And so if he was there daily and they were there daily and he was asking for help, this man was known. This was not a new problem. And um, what we see in this is while he was asking for alms, gifts, money, the Lord had something so much better for him. The question is this, how do you respond to this scripture? What is the application? Go and heal the people who need to be healed? Well, you gotta know God's word needs to be understood in its context, and uh, sometimes it's important to watch the practices 
and then learn the principles. And there's something very specific you need to know. A couple weeks ago, Pastor Tommy, when he was preaching in Acts, he, he helped us understand that some portions of scripture are descriptive. They're describing something that happened. Other portions are prescriptive saying, go and do this, okay? So when we look at a passage like this or other passages in scripture, we need to discern what's happening. And this is important to understand the context. First of all, like this descriptive, prescriptive thing, let me expound that a second. We can learn from Noah in the Old Testament that it's critically important to obey God, right? But it's not teaching us to build a boat in our backyard, right? Okay, we can learn from David that God can conquer the giants, the enemies in your life, but that doesn't mean we carry around slingshots and rocks in our pocket. Uh, we learn from Jesus how he taught Peter about faith, but it doesn't mean that I have the ability to walk on water. You see what I'm saying? And so this is something very unique that God is using his apostles in the establishment of the early church. How does this miraculous healing happen? It happens through the power of Jesus Christ, through the messengers of Peter and John. So what's an apostle? What does that mean? Well, an apostle, uh, all of the apostles were disciples, followers of Jesus Christ, but not all of the disciples, not all of the followers were apostles. Jesus had a specific purpose to build his church, to carry on the message of his life and death and resurrection, and so he chose apostles. He chose 12 selected personally by Jesus. Now, Judas uh, lost his place because of his betrayal. He was replaced uh, by Matthias. Later on, Paul in Acts 9, we're gonna get there as we study Acts, had a miraculous encounter with the living Christ and he was appointed as an apostle, a sent one. But apostles had three specific qualifications. Not everybody gets to just call yourself an apostle, okay? An apostle, here's the first thing, they had been a first-hand witness of the resurrected Jesus Christ. That's not me. I have not seen him personally, but the apostles had. Here's the second thing. They're chosen by God. Jesus chose the 12 personally, okay? And then the third thing is this. They could perform signs and wonders, and that's what brings us to this today. I'm not promised the ability to do that, but in the establishment of the early church, the Lord appointed apostles. He sent them and he gave them the ability to perform signs and wonders, a unique calling, a unique gifting for a critical time in church history. Let me show you that uh, from God's word, where that comes from. If you look at Ephesians 2.20, look at this. The church was built on the foundation, here it is, the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. The church exists on the cornerstone of Jesus Christ, but in the building of the early church, the Lord appointed apostles and prophets to establish, to confirm, to extend his message uh, everywhere it was gonna go. And so, why do I say all that? This is a passage that you might skim by and say, that's unbelievable, that's incredible, I don't know what to do with it. But what we're gonna look at today is three different principles that come from this text that are for us. We're not apostles, but we are witnesses. We're witnesses of Jesus Christ. And so here they go. Here's the first one. The first principle we see in this passage is that witnesses go to lost people. That's what Peter and John did, right? They just had this great gathering. They've been with all the followers of Christ, but now they're not there. They went to the temple. 
the temple's a high point in Jerusalem, and so that's why they went up, and they're at the, the ninth hour. That was a dedicated time for prayer. And they went to be with others to pray. But you know, you might wonder like, well, what's up with Peter and John going back to the temple? Now they knew that Messiah had come. Now they knew that everything in, the, in their Jewish faith was pointing forward to Jesus who they now knew and had witnessed. So why are they going back there? I think the simplest way to understand it is this. They were going because that's where the people were. And if they're gonna represent Jesus Christ, the risen savior, they had to be where the people were. And so here they are back at the temple. And actually, you're gonna see this pattern again, again in the book of Acts, going back to the temple to represent Jesus Christ. So they went to go to people who needed Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, when I was reading, uh, and we were going through these last two weeks of Acts 2, 42 through 47, all these incredible characteristics of a healthy church, I'm like, man, if you got that kind of a church, don't ever leave. Like when the service ends, just stay there, okay? Uh, if that's your small group, do not leave that house, even if they ask you to. Like, that's incredible. But is that really what we're called to do? Does the Lord call us to have this wonderful gathering where we can all grow and, and love each other for our own purposes? No. The reason we're given all those, those uh, practices and the reasons we can experience all of those things is not primarily for us. It is for others who do not yet know Jesus Christ. And so I love that we see in the apostles, we're going, we're going to where lost people are. It's really just as simple as that. Witnesses of Jesus go towards lost people. If you're a follower of Jesus, you've been forgiven of your sin through the blood of Jesus Christ. And now we have this privilege to carry that forward to others. The reality is, guys, all of us are witnesses. The question is, how are we doing with that? What do we represent of who God is? Do we represent justice? And I'll tell you what's right because you're wrong. Do we represent some political or medical or financial priority? No, we represent the risen Christ. And so these witnesses, in this case, Peter and John, were going to people who needed to hear about Jesus, who had not yet known and surrendered their life to him. That's instructive for me. That's instructive for you. Witnessing to lost people. Now, quick question. What are the requirements of a witness? Are there like prerequisites for this? Do you have to take a class? Do you have to pass some kind of a test? The prerequisite to be a witness for Jesus Christ is I have seen, I have experienced, I have been saved because of God's grace to me through his son, Jesus Christ. I absolutely love that today we heard from two witnesses, Carol and Jessa who so clearly said, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. They've witnessed it personally, they're witnessing it to others, and that's what we're called to do as well. So what are we supposed to do to go to lost people? Let me give you a couple things that you can consider and ponder. Here we go, there's five of them. First of all, uh, if we're gonna go to lost people, we need to pray for them. We need to pray for them. I can just tell you very simply that when the days and the times when I am praying and asking the Lord to lead me to someone where I can represent Christ, it's amazing the opportunities he puts in front of you. I can also tell you embarrassingly of many days of just going through my routine and doing what's on the calendar and taking care of the responsibilities where I am not praying for that opportunity and guess what? 
I don't see those opportunities. So you start with this. I wanna pray for people who don't yet know Jesus Christ. Nothing is more important than to be surrendered to Jesus Christ. So pray, and then see them. Do you see this in the story? This man was known by the temple, guys. He was there every day, as were the worshipers. And so he was seen many, many, many times. But I wonder how often he was actually truly seen, where they paused, where they looked at him. They fixed their gaze upon him, and he returned that. Sometimes we miss opportunities because we're not seeing the people around us. And I would say not just seeing them, but see them as God sees them. Do you know that in Luke 4, 18, uh, we're told that uh, Jesus says, he's quoting Isaiah, he says that uh, people who don't yet know Jesus Christ are captives, they are blind, they are poor. And I don't think we always understand this, that the reality is this, everyone is either a follower of Jesus Christ or they are not yet a follower of Jesus Christ. So to cut right through it all, Lord, help us to see what really matters and see people and the reality of that uh, critical decision. And then when you see them, seek them. You gotta make some adjustments if this is gonna happen. I, this is very convicting to me, and I'm processing, Lord, what would you have me do different? I think there's different things we ought to do, and I think there's different ways we ought to do the things we do, right? To slow down, to pray, to say, Lord, who do you want me to carry your truth to, the gospel of Jesus Christ today? And then engage them. And you're like, I don't know how to do that. Yes, you do. Be kind, listen, ask questions. Can I pray for you? How are you doing with that thing you asked me to pray for a couple of weeks ago? To engage people, and then ultimately, guys, all of this is not so they think you're great, but that they say, see Jesus for who he is. Then we point them to Jesus. So I wanna give you a couple of tools in this because uh, my confidence is this, that the power resides in the word of God. I don't believe that your crafty words are what God needs to bring people to salvation. I don't think he needs me to keep talking to be able to convict hearts and draw people to faith in Jesus Christ. The words we should be carrying are the words of scripture because God promises that they accomplish the purpose for which they're sent. And so maybe you wanna jot these references down and if you're gonna be serious about I wanna be a witness to lost people, we need to have some of these things memorized and ready. Here's one, Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all have the same problem. Our sin separates us from a holy God. But Romans 6.23 says this, the wages of sin, what you get for what you earn, that's a wage, is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now wait, am I gonna tell them about, you know, you should be better and you should try harder and maybe you should go to church? No, I'm gonna tell lost people where life can be found and where salvation resides. Here's another reference, Romans 5, 8. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I don't want to come with my message. I want to come with the message of the gospel through God's word. And here's two more, Acts 4, 12. There is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. I love the clarity of scripture. 
These are passages to memorize. These are passages to have written in your Bible and to be conversant with so that you can tell people, listen, this is what my God has shown me. I have witnessed his salvation. He has saved me, and I want you to know him and to worship and serve him. Maybe the most familiar, John 3, 16. But don't let it lose its power in its familiarity. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Witnesses of Jesus go to lost people. And as we do, we pray. And as we do, we see and we seek and we engage and we come ready with this is who our God is. We're not called to be the Savior, but witnesses are called to point to the Savior. Here's a second principle we see in here. Witnesses give what they have. Okay, witnesses give what they have. Do you see it back in verse two? They encountered a man who'd been lame from birth. Now, that is a massive challenge. Just ponder for a second what that would mean for that man. There were uh, physical restrictions are obvious, right? But there's actually spiritual restrictions for him as well because due to the temple uh, laws, he was not allowed in. There was a, a wrong way of thinking, a wrong theology that, uh, do you remember we saw this in John chapter nine? You could read it for yourself, John 9, 1, where the disciples came to Jesus and said, hey, there's this blind man. Who sinned? Was it him or was it his parents? And Jesus had to correct that. And so that wrong thinking would have kept this man outside of the place where he could worship with all the others. He was carried to the temple daily. Picture that process. Massive challenge, horrible situation so that he could beg for money. Really, I don't hear any hope in that for full healing or restoration. Just trying to get by on the kindness of some others. I really believe this. He was known by all of them. He was helped by some of them, but only Jesus healed him. Now, Peter and John, he asked them for alms. That's a request for mercy. Could you help me? Probably asked that hundreds of times a day. And uh, Peter's response is truly incredible. He directed his gaze at him. Full attention, full focus, I'm with you. And what did the man do? Well, Peter says, look at us. And the man met their gaze. He fixed his attention on them, expecting to re receive something. Side note, what did this guy expect to receive? I, I hope I get a couple of coins that will help me get bread or get meat or pay rent or I don't, maybe he was a parent. Maybe it'll help care for my family. I don't really know. The, the best thing he could see was some temporary relief to help me get by. And is that not what we run into all the time? So many of us and so many of people who need to come to faith in Jesus Christ are so focused on the next little thing. I just need this next little thing. When God offers through Jesus Christ total healing and it's given through the apostles, he thought he needed this, but God gave him everything. He healed him. Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I do have, I give you. And that's where this principle comes from. What I do have, I will give you. 
In this case, they were apostles. They had the ability to do signs and wonders. They healed him right there. You know, our eyes are so often on the things of this temporary world. Lord, help us to see people as eternal. Their souls will go into eternity. The question is, will they be surrendered to Jesus Christ or not? It could be this. One of the things I think that prevents us from going to lost people and to offering whatever we have is that it kind of gets messy. Have you ever experienced this? It takes about 20 minutes of really digging into somebody's situation to be like, That's, that is really hard. That actually got super complicated. I now have no idea how to solve all of your problems, right? I have this happen to me all the time. I'm like, I, I don't, I'm not sure how to help in this situation. Here's a question. What is the answer to every problem? It's, y'all are awake, I love it. Jesus is the answer to every problem. It reminds me of the Sunday school teacher who was teaching little kids, and uh, they were saying, you know, hey, guys, I got a question. They were telling a story. They said, what, what is the thing that is small and brown and four legs and a bushy tail, and it runs around and collects nuts and climbs trees? What, what is that called again? And the little kid kind of was like confused and then boldly says, I, um, teacher, it sounds like a squirrel, but since we're in Sunday school, I'm gonna go with Jesus as the answer. <laughs> Guys, the answer to every question, to every need, to every heartache, to every problem, to every deficit, to every need for healing is in the person of Jesus Christ. We don't have to come with the perfect solution to everything. We have to point to the perfect healer. And so witnesses go to the lost and witnesses give what they have. What is it that we have? Here we go. Here's some things you have. You have time. Well, actually, I'm so busy. Oh, really? You have time if you let the Lord direct it. You can give attention. You can show interest and love. You can pray. I just heard a pastor friend of mine the other day, he was just listening to some statistics that are fresh again. And, and you know, uh, they were saying that over 50% of people, even now, even today, would say, you know, if someone would invite me to go to church with them, I would, I would go with them. And, and so I don't think the answer is to get them to church, although that's a great thing. The answer is to get them to Jesus, Right? And so what else can we give? We can give help, we can give support, we can give money, we can share love, we can be present with people. One of the craziest things in our culture is that for most people, if they want someone to really listen to them, they gotta go pay them as a counselor. What a gift it is to be present. What a gift it is to ask good questions. What a gift it is to hear someone's heart and ultimately, what we have to give is God's word, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and a personal story to tell. Now, this is not so that they think you're great. This is so they understand who Jesus is. And it makes me think of Matthew 5, 16, where Jesus says, let your light so shine before men so they think you're great. Is that how that goes? You're like, Dave, you missed it. Yeah, I did miss it. Let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and do what? glorify your Father in heaven. The things we have to share have nothing to do with us. The things we have to share are to point people to the Savior, Jesus. Makes me think of 2 Corinthians 5, which says, 
Uh, if anyone is in Christ, and can I just pause right there? You don't need to answer me in this moment, but you need to think about that. Have you ever come to saving faith in Jesus Christ? Have you ever come to a place where you understand your sins have separated you from God and that there is hope because of Jesus Christ and that there is only one name under heaven by which you can be saved? If you've come to faith in Jesus Christ, you are a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All of this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself. And here, guys, look at this. This is witnessing right here. And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, thank you, Lord, and, again, entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. How in the world did you all get here this morning? Why does this church exist? exist? It exists because Jesus reached people directly and made them followers, and they were faithful witnesses, and they reached people directly and established more churches and more churches and more churches around the world, and here we are. Are we here so that we can just have a nice gathering on a weekend? We're here to be witnesses for Jesus Christ. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. This is part of the problem, honestly. We make a lot of appeals other than Jesus Christ as Lord. But he wants to carry that message through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who uh, knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Witnesses go towards lost people. Witnesses bring whatever they have to share. And then the last point is this. Witnesses glorify God always. Glorify God always. Let's go back to Acts right at the beginning. By the way, I don't even have my driver's license for this thing. I'm still figuring it out. There it is. No, that's not it. All right. What I do have, Peter says, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. The point here, by the way, is witnesses glorify God always. Okay, witnesses glorify God always. What happens when someone has encountered Jesus Christ? When you respond by faith, you praise the Lord. You tell everybody you can tell. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and he raised him up. And how long did this take? Immediately, his feet and ankles were made strong. This is the power of Jesus Christ through the people of Jesus. And leaping up. Now, wait a second. 40 years of life never having walked. Well, that's not even scientifically possible. There's atrophy and there's... Jesus transcends all of this. Leaping up, he stood and began to walk. But what else? He entered the temple with them. That's a new reality he could now do. Walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him. Is that not that guy? 
recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. This is a miracle. When Jesus Christ does a miracle, we should respond in praise. Why do we clap and cheer when we hear baptisms and we hear, I was lost, but now Jesus Christ has opened my eyes and he has brought forgiveness through his blood? Because it's a miracle. You might be like, I have never had a miracle in my life. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, yes, you have. Because scripture says that we were enemies of God, that we were separated by our sins, and to now have the potential in Christ to be called sons, to be adopted as his, is a miracle. When Jesus heals, it's by his power, for his purpose, and for his glory. No doubt, a complete and total, miraculous, physical healing. He understood the significance, and he understood the source of his healing was from Jesus And do you see what happened? Jesus added a new witness right then. There was no class he had to go to. There was no seminar he had to finish to be able to say, Jesus Christ healed me. He was walking. He was leaping. He was praising God. This is really incredible, guys, because this is happening in the temple through the power of Jesus Christ. And in Isaiah 35, verse 6, You can write that down, Isaiah 35, verse six. There's a prophecy of when the Messiah comes. And one of the things it says is the blind will regain their sight and the lame will leap like a deer. Realized in the temple through the power of Jesus Christ. Incredible. Witnesses glorify God always. So here's the question. It's gotta come home to us, right? Are you a witness? Have you seen? Have you responded? Have you humbled yourself, turning from your sin and turning by faith to Jesus Christ who alone can save? If you're like, I don't know, I'm not sure, my goodness, today could be the day of turning and surrendering to Jesus Christ. And then you are a witness. I am someone who has seen If you've already come to that place, and I know so many of you have, you are a witness who's supposed to go and tell. I have seen, now I will tell. What am I supposed to tell? Tell what Jesus did. Tell what Jesus did. The question really is this, where, not where are you going this week, but how are you going there? Are you gonna go, am I gonna go with the mindset of, I once was lost, but now I'm found? I once had no hope, but now I have hope because of Jesus Christ. We're going somewhere this week. The question is, are we gonna go with the heart and the mindset and the message of witnesses of Jesus Christ? Witnesses glorify God always. And I'm ashamed personally, and I see it for all of us. We lose this. If you've been saved five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, you're like, yeah, yeah, that's all true. Are you kidding me? I was destined for hell I was saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's a reason to praise. That's a reason to glorify God. And I think the church and us together can improve this. Are the challenges real? Yes. Are the burdens heavy? Yes. Are the future uncertain? Yes. Except that it's gonna end with Jesus Christ, our Savior, as ruler over all. Praise him. Glorify him always for the work that only he could do in our lives. 
So let's just get super practical before we're done here. Witnesses glorify God always, okay? Always. Witnesses glorify God always. Here's four Ps. Pastors really like to alliterate things, so sorry. Here's the first one. Pray. Pray. What kind of a prayer should we pray? We should pray a prayer like this. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Lord, would you please use me to point somebody else to Jesus Christ? If we would pray that prayer consistently, faithfully, continually, I'm confident we would see opportunities in front of us to represent Jesus Christ, to be witnesses for him. So pray. Secondly, prepare. Get yourself ready. Well, what am I supposed to say? I don't know what to say. This is where we get hung up, right? Let me give you a little paradigm that we've taught in the church for a long time. Uh, Three little parts, ready? I was, but God, and now, okay? I was, we heard it in the baptism tank, I was far from Christ, I was broken, I was hurting, I was stubborn, but God opened my eyes. God showed me the love of Jesus Christ through another witness, and now, I belong to him. The old stuff's gone. The new stuff has come. Prepare yourself to tell your story with those categories. Do you have a story like that? Think about it. Develop it. I was, but God, and now. This is cliche, but I've heard it said, and I love it. If you think of a courtroom analogy, Jesus Christ does not need an attorney to strengthen his case. He needs a witness to tell what happened to them. That's what we are, we're witnesses. So we pray and we prepare and then what? We proclaim, I can't fix every problem but I can take you to the Savior who is offering healing and offering salvation. And then we praise him. We praise him when there's new life in Christ. We're seeing it in our church just about every week these days. Someone coming to faith in Jesus Christ. This is entrusted to us, loved ones. We're reading and learning about the early church, but this is about our church today. And I think it would be a fail if we had amazing things happening inside this building, but we weren't personally and collectively taking the message and the person of Jesus Christ everywhere we go. That's what we see happening in Acts 3. That's what we wanna see happening in our church. We're all witnesses. We're gonna go to lost people, We're gonna give them what we have and we're gonna give glory to God for the work that only he can do. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, it's just so clear, it's all you. What we bring to the equation is sin. What we bring is stubbornness and failure and at times complacency, but Lord, thank you that we can look at your word, that we can understand how you are working powerfully in the early church. Lord, would you work powerfully in our church? Would you move us from complacency to the mission of a witness? Help us, Lord. Change our minds, change our mindset, change our methods. Do what you need to do so that this place is full of people shining for Jesus Christ. And Lord, we know this, when people come to you, they will find everything they need. Grow us in this, Lord. Have your way. Help us to witness for you 
this day and this week in the power and name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. This is his name we pray, amen.